Have you ever been stuck somewhere, like stuck in an elevator, stuck in a room, stuck in a meeting, stuck on a really bad date? Hey, if you've been stuck on a really bad date, we'd actually like to hear about that. So could you chat that up? That would, we would find that, you know, amusing possibly. So share the story. Or how about an MRI machine? Oh man, I've been in an MRI machine before. That feels so claustrophobic. I actually was in an MRI machine one time for 45 minutes. That's a terrible feeling. Or how about this? You ever been asleep at night and you have this dream where you're trying to wake up and you're trying to move and you just can't and you're just, you know, and then eventually you'll bust out of that dream and you'll wake up and you're just, I did that a couple of weeks ago. Chris was like, what's going on? <laughs> anyway, it's a terrible, terrible feeling. Well, here's the thing. Today, we're going to look at Genesis chapter 11. It's the Tower of Babel. What's that about? Here's what it's about. Your fate is not fixed. Or, because today is All Hallows' Eve, you're not stuck with your demons. People might try to tell you you're stuck with your demons. You'll always do this. You'll never do that. Your life is always going to be this way. Or how about this way? How about this? Our families. Sometimes we have demons from our families laid upon us. It's an old saying. The apple doesn't fall far from the what? In other words, we're in this cyclical pattern where things aren't going to change. Our life is going to change. We're all going to be stuck with those wounds and those hurts and those pains or what our family has put upon us or our friends or whatever, you know. That's the message. Human nature for some reason. Remember Genesis chapters 1 to 11 is all about human nature and God's nature. It's juxtaposing the two. Something about human nature wants to lay this fixed, this fixed fate on us. And God wants to bust all that up and say, actually, it's about freedom. Who are you, God? Moses asks. God says, I am who I am. In other words, I am free. I will always be free. You're made in my image and you are free. I want to set you free. You're not stuck with your demons. Your fate is not fixed. Let's read this incredible story of the Tower of Babel, verse number one. Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. It meant they had few words, similar words. Words are what? Their expression. Now, there was a guy that was introduced to us in Genesis 10. His name is Nimrod. Everything before Nimrod, like before the flood, Genesis 6, 7, 8, and 9, chaotic, everybody doing their own thing. And then arose this guy, Nimrod. He was a very ambitious person, built lots of cities. And he said, you know, I'm going to consolidate power under him. Things are going to be my way or the highway. I'm going to make everybody, like I'm going to force everybody into this very narrow channel. So you could only express yourself certain ways. Few words, few expressions. There was expression suppression. Everybody had to get along with the program and could not paint outside the lines. Nobody was unique. Everybody had to be on board because Nimrod was enforcing that. And this huge tower was a massive symbol of that suppression. Verse number two, as the people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and they settled there east. Why are we told that? Because when Adam and Eve are expelled from the garden, they go east. And then people keep going, 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 going east. And it represents we're moving away from God's authority and now we're under man's authority. And you might think, you know what? I'm throwing all this suppression of God's way and God's commands. I'm throwing it off my shoulders and I'm free. But in doing that, we find ourselves in bondage. Nimrod is now 
put people in bondage. Fate is fixed. This is the way that you will be. And they settle there. Why? What's the big deal? Because God keeps saying, I need you to fill the earth. And we see people keep coming and settling in. What is that? So God, God says to Adam and Eve, I need you to fill the earth. I need you to fill the earth. Cain, I need you to go out and, and fill the earth. You should forever wander. Now, God's been very gracious to Cain. And he should, he should wander around and tell people that. What does Cain do? He settles in one place. After the flood, the great covenant that we talked about last week, go and fill the earth. And now they clump together again. What do we fill the earth with? Genesis 1, fill the earth. Genesis 9, over and over again. Matthew 28, the great commission. Jesus says, go into all the world. And what did the disciples do? They clumped together in Jerusalem. They stayed There is something about human nature that when we hear this great message of God, that he loves us all equally. We hear about this great covenant, we say, I don't want to tell other people about that. I'm just going to keep that to myself. That's what's happening here. They're refusing to set people free with the knowledge of God that he loves other people equally as God loves them. It's a terrible thing. Okay, verse number three, and they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and burned them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. Now that phrase, come up, come, let us make bricks, sounds a lot like Genesis chapter one, come let us make man in our image, male and female, right? Now they're saying, we're gonna make humanity in our image. This is, this is God's way versus man's way. We're juxtaposing the two. So when God mints people, they all come out unique, they all come out diverse. But when humanity is in charge, it is an authority. We might think again, but falsely, that we're throwing off God and we're just gonna have that freedom to express it. And instead, what you get is the ironic thing is you get everybody is forced into one lane. The true freedom is when God's truth is preached. That's where there's freedom. That's where freedom of expression comes from. So when humanity mints coins, all those coins come out identical. But when God mints people, they all come out different. We are not trapped. Now, I want to show you something. We are told that they're making a tower made with bricks. What does that mean? Why is this so important? There's a big emphasis on the building material made with bricks. Well, bricks are man-made, and they are all shaped alike, and they're burned thoroughly, so they all look alike. So they're man-made, shaped alike, and they look alike. What does that mean? It means your fate is fixed. It means you are who I am telling you that you will be. In a human perspective, from what people say about you, how people trap you with their words. You're trapped. You're bricked in. We are told that God says, when you build the altar, do not make it with bricks. God says, when you build the altar, make it with stones because stones are God-made. They're all unique. They're all different. They're all different sizes. This is just alike made by man. This is completely different, like a snowflake. All different made by God. When we follow God's ways, we end up diverse and unique like a stone. And when we fall under Nimrod, human nature, we're like a brick. We're bricked in. And what God is trying to say and why God, we're going to find this out in a second, is so upset with the Tower of Babel because people's fate was being fixed. People were being trapped. 
trapped in that room, trapped in that elevator, trapped in an endless cycle where they were being suppressed. And God doesn't like that one bit. Verse number four. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower with its top in the heavens and let us make a name for ourselves lest we be dispersed over the face of the earth. Again, come, let us build. This is their own building project. They're building human beings to their liking here. And the tower should be in the heavens. Now, Babylon was famous for studying the heavens, the sun and the moon, cyclical and predictable. Your life should be cyclical and predictable and human reasoning and human thought. But God says, no, it's not. Your fate is not fixed. So the sun controls the seasons. The moon controls the tides. Their view of time was this. They didn't see linear time. Everything went round and round. You were born with certain demons. You're stuck with those demons. You were born a slave. You're stuck a slave. And the very, 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 very few people who had the life on top at the top of the pyramid or the top of the tower and had it well, well, they just had that and everybody just was in misery underneath them because everybody was like this, stuck, stuck. And God says, no, you're not. You're not just another brick in the wall, as Pink Floyd says. You are more than that. You are a living stone. The priest's garments that they were to wear when they went into the temple 12 stones, not 12 bricks, 12 stones, 12 living stones, unique. God wants to set you free. Whatever it is that you're struggling with, whatever demons have been a part of your life, God says, you're not stuck with that. You can be free. Your life can change. I can do a new thing in you. God wants to do a new thing. And that's why God is about ready to stop the building of this tower. God is not bricking people in. People are bricking people in. God is not in support of that at all. Your fate is not fixed. Now, Dr. King, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. on August the 28th, 1963, gave that famous I have a dream speech from the steps of the Lincoln Memorial. And on that exact same day, 40 miles up the road in Baltimore, Maryland at Gwen Oak Park, there was a a merry-go-round. There was a carousel there. And no African-American children had ever ridden it. But on that famous day, the first young African-American girl, she was 11 months old, her name was Sharon Langley. She rode that carousel for the first time on the same day that Dr. King was given that speech. Everybody, there is a merry-go-round on the National Mall. And in the early 80s, they replaced that merry-go-round with the carousel, the merry-go-round that was at Gwen Oak Park that was written on that same day. And it is still there to this very day. And you can read the plaques there. Matter of fact, my wife's uncle used to run that merry-go-round. It's a famous thing. You're not stuck. You're not on this constant merry-go-round, stuck with your demons, your your fate is fixed. No, no, no. God actually wants to do a new thing with your merry-go-round. He wants to set you free. Okay, verse number five, the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. Now, this is really good because this is God's leadership style. You know what a great leadership style is? It's been talked about, you know, it's called leadership by walking around. I read a book years ago uh, called Lincoln on Leadership. I've asked a lot of great leaders throughout the years, what's your favorite? And they keep saying that book. I love that book. And part of that is it talks about Lincoln, how he would just walk around and see people. Well, here you have God 
using a tremendous leadership principle. This is why God is the greatest leader of all. He doesn't sit back in heaven. He comes down. He gets close and personal. Now, that is fully expressed in Jesus Christ, who comes and walks amongst us. But he comes down and sees what's going on. He just doesn't take some crazy knee-jerk reaction without knowing us. That's human nature does that. You know, I was reading about Karl Marx recently. You know, he's famous for writing about the working class and about money, right? Those are two things. Well, first of all, Karl Marx was lousy with money. I'm like, he was, he wrote so much about money. He was terrible with money. He just went through his hands. He never had money. And he writes about the working class. Do you know this? He never took time to even get to know the working class. He never took time to go to the factories that the working class wrote in. He never took time to come down as God does. We have people who are brilliant, right? But they don't embody the character of God. That's what we need to embody. So Karl Marx never that. Matter of fact, the only working class person he even knew was the family maid. And do you know what he paid the family maid? Zero. They got room and board and that was it. The one thing he gave the family maid though, he impregnated the family maid when he had an affair. And he could care less about the child that she bore. Not something to aspire to. God comes down. He sees us. He loves us. He sees what's going on. He says, I don't want anybody trapping you in your fate. You're not stuck with your demons. I want to do a new thing, an amazing thing in your life. This is what the Tower of Babel is about, six and seven. And the Lord said, behold, they are one people. They all have one language. Is this, this is the only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. They're going to brick people in so tight. They're going to trap people so bad. Verse seven, come, let us go down and confuse their language so that they may not understand one another's speech. Now, if if the tower was simply the problem, other than just being a symbol of the problem, God could have just toppled the tower. But the tower simply symbolizes people being bricked in. The problem was the language. The problem was the freedom of expression. The problem was people were enforcing on other people just one thought without a diversity of expression and perspective. And that's not God's way. God created a multitude of expressions. I mean, look at all the different people God's created. Look at all the different animals. Look at the beauty of creation. That's when things are founded in God's way. So God says, I'm going to mix all this up. Verses eight and nine. So the Lord dispersed them over the face of the earth. This is what they didn't want to happen. And it ends up happening exactly what they didn't want to happen. So God dispersed them over the face of the earth and they left off building the city. Therefore, its name was called Babel because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth and from there, the Lord dispersed them over the face of all the earth. God wants us to take the message of his holy covenant that we talked about last week, that you and I are created in the image of God and are loved by God and God is holding on to us forever and that we are safe in God's love. So what I really want to encourage you with today is this. Ask Christ, ask God. How can I tell other people, how can I say it and how can I show it to other people that their fate is not fixed? That God wants to do a new thing in everybody's life. How can you not only say it, but how can you show it? What would, what would God show you? How would God give you creative ways to communicate this incredible message, the covenant of God's word? Well, 
I want to share with you a story here in conclusion because Grace Community Church, we had this awesome opportunity recently to to communicate to somebody the love of God to them. So there's a young man, when he was just a boy, he was abused sexually. It's terrible. It's a terrible story. He was hurt. He was wounded. And then he got put um, into a situation where he was being exploited sexually, where he was actually being being prostituted. And this is as a, as a very young man. And now he's in his late teens, and he comes across an organization or an organization that we partner with, um, he comes in contact with them and they begin to talk to him about getting out of that cycle, about breaking free from that abuse, from that hurt, from those wounds, from those pains, breaking free from those demons and breaking free from the people who are putting on him that this is the only future you have. And they were able to remove him from that dangerous situation. Now, he really needed to get out of that city because those same demons were going to come back after him. And there was a crisis where he no longer had a place to stay. And they needed to move him quickly. Because when you're put out on the street or you don't have a place to stay, you're going to have a long-term place to stay, people who are victims of that will return back to the same people or return back to the same habits that wound them so much. In this case, survival sex. And because they wanted to say to him, your fate's not fixed, they wanted to help him get out. So the person who was working uh, with this young man was trying to find a way for them to get thousands of miles away to a safe house that would love him, that would help him, and that would protect him and let him know that he does not have to live that way, that his fate isn't fixed on a merry-go-round. And they couldn't find an organization who would simply buy this plane ticket and get him out of that city and move him thousands of miles away to this great environment where he could thrive and have a completely different life. Well, eventually, the person who was trying to do this said something to our former missions director, Michaela, who works with this organization. And Michaela thought, oh my goodness, who am I going to call like that who's going to help me get this young man out? And so she called our very own Anamaya on Grace's staff, our director of compassion and justice initiatives, and said, Anna, is there any way that you could help me? And said the whole story. And then Anna said, well, what is it that you need? Said, I need a plane ticket. Anna said, oh my gosh, buy the ticket, done, get him out of there. Grace Community Church, you have made that possible. You have partnered with us. Not only we're telling people your fate isn't fixed, but we together have shown a young man that he is not stuck with those demons that say, this is it. This is your life. You are stuck in this sexual exploitation. You're not any good for anything else. You rise to this point and you rise no more. I feel so excited about that story. I want us to not only keep telling that story, I want us to multiply those stories over and over again. Your fate is not fixed. Now today, we're going to burn some letters. You might remember a number of weeks ago, I said, if you have pain in your life, somehow associated with the church, somehow associated with somebody who said a verse from the Bible or they stood for the Bible or some represented the Bible in some way, and they made you feel as if you were less than and that your fate was fixed, please write me a letter. And I got all kinds of letters. And you know what we're going to do now? We're going to send them up as an offering to God. We're going to break that cycle. We're going to say there is a new day. You're not bricked in. You're a stone. You're a living stone of God. They burned the bricks, which represent people sealing their fate. 
We're going to burn the problems. We're going to burn the demons representing your fate is not fixed, that God has a better future for you. We're burning these to say, setting free, setting people free from all of this hurt and pain that people went through. People ask Jesus, why are you here? So I'm here to give you life and to give you life in abundance. I want you to live abundantly. The Bible says it's for freedom's sake that Christ came to set us free. We're told in 1 Corinthians, the night that Jesus Christ was betrayed, that he took bread. And he broke that bread. said, this is my body that's broken for you. And in the same way, took a cup. This cup represents the new covenant. It's my very blood. What does all that mean? Jesus knew that there'd be powerful forces at work, forces of human nature that would want to keep people trapped. And Jesus said, I want to come to set people free, to let them know that they're loved, to let them know that their fate isn't fixed. And there'll be people who want to silence my voice, but I am willing to come and to sacrifice my life to suffer the pain of crucifixion because it is so important and my love is so strong for you. I've got to have you know this. Your fate isn't fixed. My desire for you is freedom. My desire for you is a far better life than you could ever think, ask, or imagine. So I want to invite you now. can't think of a better way to end this service today than to end it with communion. Jesus Christ took that bread and he broke it in the cup and he blessed it. And I want us now to eat and to drink together. Let's pray and let's do that. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your goodness. Jesus, that you loved us so much that you would not stay in the comfort of heaven but you came here with a message that our fate is not fixed. We are not stuck with our demons. And you felt so strongly about that, God, that you were willing to give your life to get that message to us. And you did so in such an emphatic way. Bless the eating of this bread and the drinking of this cup to your honor and glory. Thank you, Jesus, so much for your love and for your sacrifice. In most holy name, amen. Let us eat and drink together. Let's pray one more time. I want to pray specifically for the many of us who feel trapped by our wounds, our demons, and our past. Almighty God, please come down and set us free. Topple the towers in our lives. Lord, my prayer is that we would hear story after story after story after story of your goodness or of your freedom power of how you have set so many free from the wounds and the pains of the past. That you have changed our futures. Our fate is not fixed. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant you peace both now and forevermore through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.